0: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Delighted to have you with me. The phone number if you want to be a part of the program, 877-973-7425. Let me go on and get the audio out of the way because, well, you got to get some perspective on how the media is covering things. This is from Meet the Press and Chuck Todd. Well, President Biden got some good news just this morning. He's tested negative for COVID, and he's out of isolation and on his way to Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. This comes at the end of what may have been Joe Biden's best week as president, the killing of al-Qaeda's leader, uh, Ayman al Zawari, the abortion vote in Kansas, a huge jobs report on Friday, falling gas prices, and the all-night vote on the Democrats' climate, energy, and health care bill. Looks like it's going to go through pretty good for a guy with approval ratings in the 30s. Uh, yeah, that that's, this is a it seems to be a Twitter manufactured thread. The the media all get on Twitter and and away we go. And really. They haven't really gotten a ton done, and this is scaled back from the 3 to $5 trillion that he wanted. I Look, it's a win. The president gets a win. It's not the win he wanted, but he will take it. But now that's from Chuck Todd, essentially echoing the Twitter zeitgeist of the blue checks to Rick Klein, the political editor at ABC News. Strong jobs numbers this week, but President Biden and the
1: Democrats still facing voters who are quite sour on the economy.
0: Yeah, George, no meaningful
1: approval uh, rating increase for, for, for Joe Biden across the board on a range of issues. He is still stuck in some low numbers. And get this, 69% of Americans still think the economy is getting worse, despite the drop in gas prices, despite those positive economic numbers. And we're seeing that spill over into voter enthusiasm. Republicans more likely to say that they are ready and eager to go vote than Democrats. And those numbers have not changed, George for months now. But one sign that might, uh, something that might change going forward in the wake of that big vote in Kansas on Tuesday to preserve abortion rights, we ask people, are you more likely to support a candidate who wants to keep abortion legal or who supports policies that would limit abortion access? And that is a striking number, 49%, that's almost half of Americans, who say that they would consider the issue and they're more likely to vote for a candidate who would keep abortion legal in, in their state. Uh, that suggests that, look, while the economy is a drag on Democrats, there are other issues that come into view and if abortion is one of them Democrats could see a big motivating effort around that
0: oh that's where they're headed that's where they're headed but wait there's Frank Lutz on CNN what about you where do you see things now compared to where they were three or four months ago
1: well the public is even angrier today than they were three or four months ago more divided more hostile towards Washington and that's never good for any incumbent but what has not gone away is, and we call it inflation, that's an economic term, it's affordability. Can I afford that extra package for meat? Can I afford to fill up my car? And our polling shows that one out of five Americans, literally, when they reach the cash register, have to return food because they can't afford the total bill. One out of two can't fill up their gas tank. That issue of affordability, prices,
0: costs is the number one issue. That's Frank Luntz's research talking to actual voters. This is an issue we don't talk about a lot. Frank Luntz, in his focus grouping and surveys, one out of five Americans, when they get to the cash register at the grocery store, have to return some items because they don't have the money. One out of two, that's half. One out of two can't fill their car up all the way with gas because of costs. Listen, I've been telling everyone for a while, the Democrats and the media exist in the same bubble. And I would go back to 2020 and remind you that Democratic polling looked very good for them in 2020. In 2020, there appeared to be a blue wave coming and no one saw the red wave. The red wave did not appear in the data. And after it was over, they had some sort of analysis on the Democratic side and of outside pollsters, and they discovered their polling is broken and they don't have a way to fix it. They don't know how to fix it because Republicans are not paying attention. That Republicans are, and, and the Republicans are not engaged and Republicans are not talking to pollsters. That the Republicans are tied or ahead on the generic ballot right now As their kids are going back to school, and they're headed out on last-minute vacations before their kids go back to school in some parts of the country, and they're not talking to pollsters, they're not engaged with pollsters, and they're still essentially tied on the generic ballot, should be a warning sign for the Democrats. Last time in 2020, the Democrats had a six-point lead on the generic ballot, and the Republicans nearly took back the Congress. They nearly took held the Senate. Had Republicans in Georgia actually gone out and voted, they would have held the Senate in Georgia. Uh, When you got all the polling data out there, and it's good for the Republicans and not great for the Republicans, but good for the Republicans, I don't see where the Democratic wave comes in. Again, this is really important for you to understand because this did not happen when Donald Trump was president one out of five americans when they show up at the grocery store have to put food back because they can't afford it in the grocery bill and one out of two americans half of americans who go to the gas station cannot fill their car up with gas because they can't afford it that wasn't happening before joe biden became president and the democrats controlled congress it is now do you really think voters are going to go say oh but abortion that's not my data. That's Frank Lunds' data. That, that's the outside data of focus groups around the country. It happened to me yesterday at the grocery store. Not to me personally, but the person in front of me had to put something back because he couldn't afford the bill while he was checking out at the local publics. Couldn't afford the bill. This is happening across America. This is happening across America. And it may not happen to you, but it's happening to one out of five Americans at the grocery store. It's happening to half of Americans at the gas station. And gas prices have come down. The Democrats would like for you to know gas prices have come down. It's true but it's still more than 2 dollars higher than when Joe Biden entered office that's the problem you can take credit for the decline but you got to take credit for the increase too if that's your thing that's a problem here's Chris Christie talking to actually uh, to George Stephanopoulos over the weekend on the Sunday show the inflation
1: rate is incredibly high but look at those jobs numbers
0: on friday well but people but people can't
1: keep up with the costs of living their lives so they say okay great i've got a job that's a good thing but to get to that job i gotta fill my car with gas and it costs that much more then when i'm my way home from work i go to the supermarket and i get absolutely tanked there from a from a dollar perspective um and then i look at What's going on with my kids, if I'm sending them to school, are I going to college? All those expenses are going way, way up. And people say, yeah, I have a job, but my life is worse now than it was two years ago. And we know from Ronald Reagan that that's an incredibly powerful question. Am I better off now than I was two years ago? And the American people
0: don't feel it, and that's why Joe Biden's in the 30s. Joe Biden's in the 30s, and that's why I just don't think we're going to have this massive blue wave uh, yeah, I mean, they're not even really seeing a blue wave this time. They're just not seeing the big red wave coming. I think the big red wave comes. Y'all, and, and, and to George Stephanopoulos' point, have you seen the jobs numbers? Oh, my gosh, the economy is roaring. Everybody's – have you seen the inflation data? People are having to go to work, and they're still having their income eroded by inflation. Well, it, it is uh, – I know what members of the media make. I want to see real quick. George Stephanopoulos salary. Um, uh, according to the deal with the wrap, uh, Stephanopoulos made more than $65 million, 15 to $18 million a year at ABC News. 15 to $18 million dollars a year. I don't want to pick on George Stephanopoulos. My point here is not to pick on George Stephanopoulos. But he had this Sunday exchange with Chris Christie where he seemed rather excited about the jobs numbers. The, the inflation rate is incredibly high, but look at those jobs numbers on Friday. Well, but... Look at those jobs numbers on Friday. George Stephanopoulos makes $15 to $18 million a year, according to press publications and and, uh, releases about re-signing with ABC News. According to Frank Luntz's data, one out of two Americans can't fill their car up with gas. And one out of five Americans are having to return stuff at the grocery store when they get the bill at the checkout because they can't afford it. This happened to the man in front of me the other day. Before you ask, I didn't have to. The store took care of him. It's very nice of the store to do. The middle class in this country, the Democrats are saying this this plan they passed was for them. But it's really not it's really not it's going to help the coastal elite it's going to help the irs they're going to have more irs agents than there are employees inside the fbi or the state department it's not going to help the middle class those irs agents are going to come for the middle class who are working side jobs and your take-home pay The reason the jobs numbers are so good is a lot of people who were sitting on the sidelines had to come back into the workforce because they retired thinking they could make it and they can't because inflation is so high. And a lot of people are still sitting on the sidelines and they're struggling and they're cutting back instead of going back to work. The labor force participation rate is strikingly low right now. There are not a lot of Americans working. A lot of younger Americans are not stepping up to join the workforce. A lot of older Americans are staying retired. Some are coming back in, and they're taking the jobs instead of the young people because of their experience. And as they work, what's happening to every single American out there in the middle class Their salary is not keeping up with inflation, which means though they have gotten a pay raise, they have technically, in reality, gotten a pay reduction because inflation exceeds even their pay raise. Wages are going down as inflation goes up, and the Democrats want you to know they're doing everything they can to help you, and not a one of you feels like you're being helped by the Democrats right now. Not a one of you feel like you're being helped by Washington. And you've got the seal clappers of the media saying, oh, my gosh, look at the jobs numbers. It looks like the economy is doing great. And half of you can't afford to fill up completely your gas tank at the gas station because you do not have the income. That is not a good economy. And that was not the situation in this country before Joe Biden got elected. To make this point, let's go to the real world. Chris, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, I want to say two things, Eric. Uh, Number one, the jobs numbers is people like me working two jobs. And uh, that's why I'm up. But
0: at night, I work at a service station and a guy was on his break at one of the warehouses close by and uh, he asked for a dollar's worth of gas because he was trying to buy his lunch. I bought his lunch for him so he could get $4 worth of gas or $3. Good for you, man. Um, uh, you know, people are you know, you know, just uh, Chris, just as a side side point, I, I'm one. I'm I'm glad you called in and share this. And in, in two, um, the way we make it through these problems is not with government passing new laws, but with each of us being generous with each other as best we can. Like the guy in front okay. of me at Publix, um, I, I I I if I realized up front what was going on, I probably would have, um, but I didn't until I realized what the grocery store was doing with him with the manager over there that. Um, they wanted him to be able to get his groceries. He only had one thing, um, that, that he was having to put back. And it was like a sandwich or something from the deli that he couldn't afford it with all the other stuff he was getting. And they're like, don't worry about it. Um, well, I mean, and... you'd be surprised the people in there trying to count pocket change. Yeah. Just yep. tell them about something. It's, it's affecting people in ways I don't think people in government realize, and people in the media who make millions of dollars a year don't realize, and yet it, it constantly is happening. Listen, I appreciate you sharing, and, and good for you for stepping up and doing that. Real world, though, I mean people are are literally – I remember the days when I was a kid uh, when my parents would just hand me like $10. They'd just go put $10 on the tank. Uh, and now that's the reality for a lot of Americans is they can't afford to fill up their gas tank, so they're putting $10 in or $20 in. They just got to get to work and get home, and then they can't drive, and that wasn't the situation before the Democrats took over Washington, so guess who's going to get the blame? Hi there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you want to be on the show, eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. 973 Them's the numbers if you want to be a part of it. Um, there was a tragic incident at the White House the other day outside the gates on Pennsylvania Avenue the other day. There was a summer thunderstorm, and four people were killed by a lightning strike that struck on Pennsylvania Avenue right in front of the White House. Reuters would like you to know this is a sign of climate change. This is the slow and subtle shifting of narratives over time. It used to be that uh, there was weather and there was climate. And so, for example, there would be climate change conferences in the winter, and there would be big snowstorms inevitably, and those of us on the right would laugh and point it out, and they'd say, well, 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 that's weather. Weather's different from climate. But this was a summer storm in Washington, D.C., And there are summer storms in Washington, D.C. There are summer storms everywhere. In the south, we have summer storms all the time. I actually have turned off my irrigation system this summer because we've had so many pop-up showers in the afternoon this year. They were predicting drought in the south, by the way, this year. uh, And we're instead having afternoon showers all the time. My uh, yard has only just dried out from rain in July, and now it's started again but now it's all climate change. None of it is weather, they are advancing the narrative. I saw Thomas Massey point this out and it's a congressman from Kentucky and it's a good point. Uh, They used to be called the shamans and the witches and the fortune tellers. Now we just call them experts and they do the same thing. They provide some level of spiritual meaning for the left. And it doesn't matter what you say or don't say. What they offer up is unfalsifiable truths on behalf of the left. It's hurricane season. August, they were predicting we would have at least three hurricanes already this year. We're headed into the height of hurricane season, which will be September. We haven't had any hurricanes yet. None. And, you know, proof of climate change is that we haven't had any. And if we have any, it'll be proof of climate change. And if we don't have any hurricanes, it'll be proof of climate change. It's unfalsifiable nonsense designed to justify uh, the existence of left-wing ideology. Howdy, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you want to be on the show, 877-973-7425. Here it comes. Don't look away. Don't tune out. We're going to talk about Trump, but just brace yourself, not going in the way some of you might think. There's a website out there called Memo Random. Memo Random. Uh, and it, it aggregates the news of the day. It, it's great for those of us who do like radio show prep and stuff. We can go see... Um, what the major articles are and who's talking about those articles and the like. Um, I want to read for you, scrolling through some of the headlines. Uh, Inside the war between Trump and his generals at The New Yorker, Michael Shearer, The New York Times, new book chronicles Trump's fraught relationship with top military generals. uh, Mike Allen at Axios, exclusive photos, Trump's telltale toilet. Uh, Shania Shelton at CNN, photos show handwritten notes that Trump apparently ripped up and attempted to flush down the toilet. Politico playbook covering this as well. Um, and then scroll down a little further from Insider Exclusive, Paul Manafort admits he passed Trump campaign data to a suspected Russian asset. Uh, Tim Miller at Morning Shots, I'm sorry, but he's running. Uh, Trump CPAC speech was his 2024 blueprint. Um you get the point. There is a media Democrat obsession about Donald Trump. Like, for example, I know when I hang out with friends of mine on the right, Donald Trump is probably going to come up and a lot of them are going to talk about Donald Trump and then they'll move on. And a lot of them will pivot and they'll start talking about Ron DeSantis or others. But friends of mine on the left are really stuck on Donald Trump more than anyone on the right. I don't know whether Donald Trump will run again or not. I suspect the argument that will resonate with a lot of people is that if Donald Trump were to win, he would only get four years in office because of the Constitution, Uh, Now, of course, on the left, they say, well, he will get in office and never leave again. On the right, however, I, I think the argument is persuasive that, you know literally any person eligible to run for president uh, in the Republican primary could serve for eight maximum years. Donald Trump could only serve for four. So why go for four years when you could go for eight with someone else? And there will be a few cranks out there who say, well, you know, he should run with someone like DeSantis. And after four years, DeSantis can run. Yeah, but as we're seeing with Biden-Harris, not that DeSantis would be incompetent like Harris, but they're two separate political teams. The outcome of one don't guarantee the outcome of the other, and one can drag the other down if you're not careful. But the media seems positively monofocused on Trump, and it really is a symbiotic relationship. Now, symbiotic relationship, for some of you who've never heard it, it's a fancy word I learned in eighth grade biology, phrase I should say, not word. A symbiote, it is two organisms that live uh, off of each other. The relationship of one is dependent on its relationship with the other. Uh, there are lots of symbiotic relationships in nature. Uh, for example, what are the, the, the fish that swim alongside on, and cling on to the sharks? It's a symbiotic relationship. There are lots of those in nature. And the press lives in a symbiotic relationship with Donald Trump. Donald Trump uh, can use the press to amplify his message. I mean, for God's sakes, the man is banned from social media and the media still talks about him more than anyone I know on the right on social media. I mean, you follow along with the blue check marks on social media and they absolutely positively are entranced. Absolutely entranced. And what was so fascinating to me about this entire setup is Donald Trump, if they stopped talking about him, there really wouldn't be a lot of people talking about him because he's off of social media. Fox News isn't covering him regularly. In fact, the non-Fox media now covers Donald Trump more than the Fox media does. And they're very high-minded about it. I I saw, I I didn't get Charlie to cut the clip. There's no reason to, to play it. But I saw Brian Stelter on CNN talking about the media has a job to cover democracy and the threat to democracy. That's their cover story. That's their cover story. They like to say, well, we have to cover Donald Trump. He's a threat to democracy. He's not president of the United States right now. And I realize they justify it. They come up with excuses to cover him. But it's not just the bubble I live in because I encounter this all the time with uh, listeners to this program who are fairly diverse across the country. There is this growing focus on DeSantis right now. Now, I I realize it's, it's a wave. And I always hesitate to talk about DeSantis because it sounds like I'm endorsing him and I'm really not. I'm just calling it like I see it right now. I mean, for for about a week, there was a little bubble about Christy Noem of South Dakota, and no, the, all the Republicans were like, man, we get the first woman president on our side, and, and she's got. I'm not a big fan of Christy Noem, you should know, for a lot of reasons. She was an establishmentarian uh, defensive of House Republican leaders uh, back when she was in the House, and now she wants to run some sort of conservative stalwart standing against the establishment when she was part of it. But she got a little blip for a little bit. Nikki Haley has had a little blip, faded, probably resurgent again later. Tom Cotton got a little bit of a blip. To, uh, there's been buzz about Tim Scott, which is why I had to ask him on in my interview with him if he was running for president. He gave his very diplomatic uh, answer, non-answer. There's a little buzz that Ted Cruz may be interested in it. They're just all of these little things things that have just galvanized Republicans and they keep coming back to DeSantis. DeSantis is intriguing. And part of it too, is that the media is so hostile towards DeSantis right now. A lot of Republicans have his back. They understand what's going on here. The media really isn't interested in beating Ron DeSantis in 2022. They're interested in building a narrative in 2022 that they hope will hurt him in 2024. It's a problem. Um, It's a problem. But the bigger problem here is the National Press Corps can't get away from Donald Trump. They are dependent on Donald Trump for their ratings. And therein lies that symbiotic relationship. You know, the ratings are down for all the major news networks. Uh, I saw the other day Fox News' ratings. It's the number three most watched television network in America. It used to be Fox was the number two most watched network on cable behind USA. And then Fox became the most watched cable network with USA Network's number two. Now Fox is number three most watched network in America. Period, cable or broadcast. Which means ABC and NBC get more viewers than Fox. With C- no, no, I'm sorry, it's CBS and ABC. NBC is, I think, in fourth place now. Fox is number three behind two of the broadcast networks. the The free networks. Fox is ahead of everybody except the free networks. CBS and ABC dominate viewership, and Fox is number three. Fox News gets more viewers than CNN and MSNBC combined. And ironically, Fox News spends far less time now talking about Donald Trump than CNN and MSNBC. And it should probably tell CNN and MSNBC something, but they get very high-minded on very, 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 very sorry. We 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 must talk about this. this is a threat to our democracy. And Fox is a threat to our democracy as well. And so we talk about Fox just as much as we talk about Donald Trump. And we must do it because they are a threat to our democracy. Have we mentioned they're a threat to our democracy? It's not getting you eyeballs. And last I checked, I, I don't know if you guys know this or not. This may be brand new for you. This may be something you've never heard of or considered. But Donald Trump is no longer president. The alleged coup did not work. Benji Starlin is an editor for NBC News. He's an editor for NBC News. It's important you understand he is an editor for NBC News. He was hired from a left wing organization. He is a partisan, has been a partisan. He will continue to be a partisan. And he is saying that uh, Peter Meyer, the congressman who was beaten after voting for Trump's impeachment, is participating in an ongoing coup. Listen to this. This is his tweet. You can see that. Let let me read you his thread here. Um, He's replying to something from Josh Kraushauer. DeSantis rallying supporters from Mastriano in Pennsylvania. Here's Benji Sarland. This is what separates Cheney from the party and also why so many Republicans don't understand Democrats treating DeSantis and Trump as similarly concerning. It's not that all R's support January 6th, but they almost all treat it as a good-faith disagreement between friends rather than disqualifying. You see this in Peter Meyer supporting his primary opponent. So long as backing an ongoing coup attempt is just another issue to debate among many, like taxes or energy, rather than a dividing line Between legitimate and illegitimate actors. There's no moving past it. This is an editor for NBC News. Peter Meyer literally shook hands with his opponent who beat him, did not endorse him, but shook his hands at a unity rally. And suddenly he's backing an ongoing coup attempt. It's just an issue, dividing friends. This is bizarre. This is bizarre. It really is incredible that we have a media that is single-mindedly fixated on this while well, everybody else on the right has moved on. And by the way, I, I think this is part of the problem with Liz Cheney here, too. Liz Cheney's come out and said she doesn't think she could support Ron DeSantis because she doesn't like his style, it seems uh i I am a big admirer of the cheney family i know liz cheney I, i think very highly of her and her family but that's kind of a bridge too far for me when you look at someone like desantis and say well i can't support him he's too much like trump he's not trump Donald Trump certainly was a clarifying exercise in American politics, though, wasn't he? Real dividing line uh, and and force the breakage of a lot of people. And here's what you find at the end of the day. There were a whole lot of people who were fine being Republicans as long as Republicans didn't differentiate themselves too much from the Democrats. They could say they're pro-life, but they couldn't do anything about it because of the Supreme Court. It's striking to me how many people have become Democrats or claim to still be Republicans but no longer support Republicans. They're all pro-abortion. And they were perfectly fine with the Republican Party being the democrat light party. But when the Republicans now have a platform that distinguishes them distinctly from the Democrats on a host of issues benefiting the working class and aggressive foreign policy against other countries so like like ah, I got to tap out now, too different from the Democrats now makes me uncomfortable. That, that DeSantis guy, I can't support him. Why? Well, he's too Trumpy. How so? Well, you know. Uh, you, he's too, I mentioned he's, this doesn't fly with me, folks. We're seeing what Donald Trump did is provide a clarified moment for the country. He forced the Republican party to take clear stands and y'all all know I got issues with him, but it's to his credit that he forced the Republican Party to actually become the Republican Party and not just the democratic Light party. And we're seeing a great shifting of alliances in this country. It is all part of a realignment of this country. He's not the cause of it. He's a symptom of it. He certainly diagnosed it accurately, or those around him did. And the media, they can't figure it out. And so they're single-mindedly obsessed with him right now. They would far rather cover him, too, than cover, well the return of the Jimmy Carter era economy. I mean, my goodness, folks, if you got concerns about your retirement savings, you may want to reach out to my friends at Goldco. You'll get a free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. So you can call Gold Co., find out if you qualify for their special offer. They've been helping thousands of Americans protect their retirement against inflation and stock market crashes. They might be able to help you too. If you got $50,000 or more in your IRA, your 401k, or other retirement savings, you might want to learn how to use physical physical gold and silver to help you. 855-904-5933 is their number. You can always just text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Text ERIC to 33777. I'll text you back their toll-free number. You can give them a call. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you would like to be on the program. Happy to have you if you want to be. We are going to talk about the busing of the illegals to New York City when we come back. This moment, however, I want to discuss Alex Jones. Occasionally, you get to see bad things happen to bad people, and you feel good about it. Alex Jones stirred up a group of people, and it's kind of a damning indictment on America that so many people will listen to this guy. And there is a level of tribalism in America now where if the left doesn't like someone, you are in your tribe supposed to like him. If you're not on the left, I'm sorry. Um, I don't care for Alex Jones. I think he is a provocateur who probably doesn't believe half of what he says and uh, preys on the weak-minded. And he caused parents going through profound grief over the murders of their children to be harassed. That's not in dispute. And he suggested that maybe they weren't really victims. Maybe the kids really didn't die. Maybe they were actors. Maybe it was false flag. He used tragedy almost as a punchline for a show. He used tragedy to propel himself to some level of fortune. And he's going to pay for it and not enough because of the rules in Texas, he's really not going to pay as much as he probably should. Um, The reality, however, is that he will face other judgment later. You know, this gets me hate mail sometimes. But I really sleep well at night in part because of the doctrine of hell. You know what the doctrine of hell is? If you don't put your trust in God through Christ, uh, you will not be in heaven. And as I have gone through seminary and thought about it more, um, I really do actually believe that there is uh, there are levels and punishments. Dante's right in that. There will be some who are not in the presence of God and that absence of God is it will be a form of hell. There are others who will be truly punished badly. There will be a difference between the person who just never heard about God and doesn't make it into heaven, and those who did and actively turned their back on him and and, uh, defied his teachings. But in every event, in every instance, everyone will face some form of justice. Even if you get away with something in this life, you will not get away with it. You will be held to account by the creator of all things. And that helps me sleep at night because we're all aware of bad people who think they get away with something the people who we will never know who were part of Jeffrey Epstein's group and the like, uh, they will be made to account one day, maybe not to a judge in this lifetime, but there's no escaping justice in eternity. History bends towards justice, not in the way some people think, but in the way a lot of us know. And that should provide us profound comfort, even for those families. But at least he will face some judgment and get some sanction in this lifetime for what he did to those families.